morning. Maybe if I start talking, people will start coming in. Uh, so this is my last go uh, for this class. We've got uh, two more weeks after this where Brad will be teaching. Is that me that's all fuzzy? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so I'll do today, and then Brad's coming in for the next two, and that'll be our class on Psalms. Uh, in preparation for this one in particular, I kind of opened up a whole can of worms and, and just kept going down rabbit holes. So I apologize if it's a little disjointed uh, or if I don't provide any answers whatsoever and it's just a bunch of questions because uh, that's all I ended up with was a bunch of questions as I was studying this. And uh, I wanted to share this quote with you real quick. Oh, before I do that, the reading plan, if you're following along, I think I gave you a lot of extra reading last week, so good job if you kept up. Um, but we've got, you know, three more weeks and about, what, 34 psalms left to do. So just one to two a day if you would like to. You can jump in now, never too late, with 116. And we're just kind of doing two a day. Uh, again, Nathan's doing some handouts, so raise your hand if you don't have any printouts yet. <clears throat> uh, so, so this, I want to share this quote because this is kind of how I felt during this whole week of preparation The acquisition of knowledge always involves the revelation of ignorance. It almost is the revelation of ignorance. Our knowledge of the world instructs us, first of all, that the world is greater than our knowledge of it. Wendell Berry. Uh, You could could take world out, put God in. Our knowledge of God instructs us, first of all, that God is greater than our knowledge of him. So, um, but the ignorance piece is what, what really got me this week. So we are talking about wisdom psalms. <clears throat> I was looking forward to this one all week, I mean all summer, uh, even though I had no idea what I was really getting into. Now the psalms that are labeled wisdom psalms, um, no one can really agree. Sometimes there's a list of about five psalms that are categorized, some nine psalms, some 20. They're kind of all over the map and some overlap. But in general, what the we see in what is considered a wisdom psalm generally has to do with how you live your life. So it's kind of like instructions on living well, but not quite. So first of all, I wanted to delve into um, wisdom, so we'll talk about what that is. We're going to be looking at Job today, which I haven't really gone outside of psalms, but I want to pull a story from him uh, as we're talking. And We've got four psalms to read today, a couple videos, so I may just have to interrupt service and just keep going for another hour, or I'll just stop in the middle of it. Okay, so first of all, let's read um, Psalm 111, and I'll go ahead and read this one. Uh, This is in your printout. We're going to read Robert Alters. Now, this one is not categorized as a wisdom psalm, uh, but I think you'll see why I wanted to start with this. Hallelujah. I acclaim the Lord with full heart in the counsel of the upright and the assembly. Great are the deeds of the Lord, discovered by all who desire them. Glory and grandeur his acts and his bounty stand for all time. A remembrance he made of his wonders, gracious and merciful the Lord. Sustenance he gives to those who fear him. He recalls forever his pact. The power of his deeds he told his people to give them the nation's estate. His handiwork truth and justice, trustworthy all his precepts, staunch for all time, forever, fashioned in truth and right, redemption he sent to his people, forever commanded his pact, holy and awesome his name, 
the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. Good knowledge to all who perform it. His praise stands for all time. All right, so uh, while this is not a wisdom psalm, it kind of tells us where it all starts. Uh, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I mentioned uh, the word fear in the context of Psalms a few weeks ago. And what it was, uh, fear doesn't mean sheer terror, but instead is a response of awe to a deity who is both all-powerful and compassionately forgiving. So that's why I said a few weeks ago, um, I'm kind of doubting that now. Because when you see people in the Bible who are in front of God, they are terrified. Uh, now, what does it mean for us to live in the fear of the Lord? I don't know, but it seems like those who do see God face-to-face experience true fear. Um, but this isn't a class on fear, so we're not going to delve any deeper into that rabbit hole. Um, but just something to, I wanted to point that out, because this says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, what that means, I don't know yet. Uh, so, yeah, maybe Brad can cover that and solve it in the next two weeks for us. Um, okay, something else this, sh- this psalm showed me was kind of that if we're looking for wisdom, we kind of have to look beyond ourselves, right? This isn't something we can just study, and it starts with fear of the Lord. I don't know why this quote popped in my head. Maybe it's because I watched the movie the other day, but I've got this. Uh, Sometimes a person we love through no fault of his own can't see past the end of his nose. Mary Poppins. I was watching that with the boys, and uh, yeah, so, so Julie Andrews uh, can't see past the end of their nose, and I think that's a common theme when we're looking at these wisdom psalms, is it's the individual looking past themselves, seeing the world from a different perspective. Now, if, uh, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what then? Well, I wanted to share this video. There are three wisdom books in the Bible, right? Uh, we've got Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And Brad shared a video from the Bible Project, and I started looking at some more of their stuff, and it was really cool. So we'll share this one. Steve, I'll cut you off somewhere in the middle. There are three books in the Bible known as the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. The first, Proverbs, showed us that God is wise and just. Yeah, we learned that God has ordered the world so that it's fair. The righteous are rewarded, the wicked are punished. In other words, you get what you deserve. But then we meet Ecclesiastes, who observes, people don't always get what they deserve. Uh, Yeah, he said the world isn't always fair, that life is unpredictable and hard to comprehend, just like smoke. And this makes you wonder, okay, well... Is God wise and just? Exactly. And so it's that question that is being explored in the final book of wisdom, Job. All right, let's dive in. So Job begins with a strange story that takes place up in the heavens, which are described something like a heavenly command center. So God is there with these angelic creatures called the sons of God, and they're all there reporting for duty. And God points out this guy Job, his servant showing how righteous and good he is. And then one of these angelic creatures approaches. He's referred to in Hebrew as the Satan. The Satan. 
Who is this? Well, this word is actually a title, which literally means the one who is opposed. So out of this whole crew, he is the one questioning how God is running the world. And he proposes that Job might not actually love God, that he's only a good person because God rewards him. If God were to take away all of the good things he gave to Job, then we would see his true colors. So he thinks Job is just working the system? That's exactly right. Maybe he's obeying just to get what he wants. So God agrees to this experiment and allows the Satan to inflict suffering on Job. And Job loses everyone and everything that he cares about. It is devastating. And remember, he deserves none of this. God himself said so. The remarkable thing is that in the midst of all this suffering, Job still praises God. At least for chapters 1 and 2. But then in chapter 3, we find out how he's really feeling inside. He unleashes this poem that reveals his devastation. It's a long, elaborate curse on the day that he was born. After this, some of Job's friends come to visit him to offer their help. And all of them are like, Job, you must have done something horribly wrong to deserve this. After all, we know God is just, and we know the world is ordered by God's justice and fairness, so you must be getting what you deserve. And for the next 34 chapters, the friends and Job go back and forth in very dense Hebrew poetry. His friends keep speculating about why God might have sent such suffering, and they even start making up lists of hypothetical sins that Job must have committed. But after each accusation, Job defends his innocence. And Job is innocent. He is. He's also on an emotional roller coaster. At some moments, he's very confident that God is still wise and just. Yeah, in other moments, he's doubting God's goodness. He even comes to accuse God of being reckless, unfair, and corrupt. So by the end of the dialogue, Job demands that God come and explain himself in person. And God does so. He comes in the form of a great storm cloud. Now, God doesn't give Job a direct answer. He doesn't tell Job about the conversation with the Satan. Yeah, he does something very different. He takes Job on a virtual tour of the universe. He shows Job how grand the world is. And he asks him if he's even capable of running it or understanding it just for a day. He shows Job how much detail there is in the world. Things that we might see every day, but really don't understand at all. But God does. He knows it all intimately. He pays attention to the beauty and operations of the universe in ways that we haven't even imagined and in places that we will never see. Then to conclude, God shows Job two wondrous beasts and brags about how great they are. Yeah, they are dangerous. I mean, they would kill you without even thinking about it. And God says they're not evil. They're actually a part of his good world. And then that's it. That's God's whole defense. It's kind of weird. I mean, what was this all about? It seems to be this. From Job's point of view, it looks like God is not just. But God's perspective is infinitely bigger. He's dynamically interacting with a whole universe of complexity when he makes decisions. And this is what God calls his wisdom. So Job asking God to defend himself is actually kind of absurd. He couldn't comprehend this kind of complexity even if he wanted to. So... Where does this leave us? Well, it leaves Job in a place of humility. 
he never learned why he suffered. And yet, he's able to live in peace and in the fear of the Lord. But that's not where the book ends, because after this... Yeah, so that's not where the story ends, but this isn't a class on Job, so you don't get to find out how the story ends. <laughs> okay, so, so as I was, you know, I've been talking about this with a few people over the past few weeks about wisdom and what is it, and whenever we seem to look at references to wisdom throughout the Bible, it was talking about how wisdom manifests itself. Wisdom looks like this when you see it. Um, And then we look in some of the Psalms and Proverbs, and it's like, okay, well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and then what? It's just kind of showing you a list of things that you might see of someone who's wise. And we seem to talk about wisdom in the church as something we, we should desire, that we should chase after, yet we don't quite know what we're looking for. At least that's where I started going with this. And you know, other words that come up when we're talking about wisdom, righteousness, justice. And I'm not quite sure how all these things relate to it. We talk about wise judges as people who um, are able to administer justice fairly. Um, now, is that what wisdom is? I don't know. But I liked that video because the visualization of what Job is allowed to see. So we don't talk about Job as someone who is a wise person. It's a book of, it's one of the wisdom books. We talk about, uh, you know, Solomon as someone who is wise. But what was it about Job's story that relates to wisdom? Anything stand out to you seeing that, seeing it presented in a new way? Yeah, all right, so this idea that there's a bigger picture that God's aware of and that he allows us to glimpse, but even when he shows us it in its entirety, we still can't comprehend it. So it doesn't seem like that instilled wisdom in Job by getting to see the big picture is more of a humbling experience of there is way more than you can even comprehend. And, uh, you know, God talking in in analogies or showing him these two beasts. I I don't know what that's about. We're not going to dig into that. But like, all right, this is the summation of my wisdom, is these two fearsome beasts. <clears throat> all right, so, so what about the difference between spiritual wisdom and worldly wisdom? Is there a difference?
Okay, so the arguments that his friends were making could appear wise from a worldly perspective if you're assuming the world is just and fair, that, all right, well, Job, you're doing something wrong. It's your fault. But then he's, Job is looking at it from a spiritual perspective saying, I see something a little bit bigger than me. <clears throat> cool. Any other differences between worldly wisdom and spiritual? Okay. Okay, so uh, if you're trying to live according to worldly wisdom, you're trying to fit into the world. Okay, spiritual, you're applying scripture as you live in the world. All right, any other thoughts? Can can you have one and not the other? I mean, worldly wisdom is more than just street smarts, right? It's it's not a bad thing. It, um, what I was thinking of with worldly wisdom was. Uh, like emotional intelligence or, or empathy, the ability to feel the other person's perspective, their, their emotions, being able to see the world from someone else's perspective, from another cultural perspective, from still something a little bit bigger than you, but still contained within the world, and the spiritual is another level beyond that. You guys had no idea Mary Poppins was so spiritual. <laughs> we'll see if they capture that in the remake that's coming out. Um, all right, so th- this is not a class on fear. This is not a class on Job. And this isn't really a class on wisdom. This is a class on wisdom psalms. So let's actually read some wisdom psalms. Uh, we're going to start with one, uh, Psalm 1. Chuck's going to read the ESV version for us. This is uh, Psalms 1 from the ESV version. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. But they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Thank you. Um, Okay, so we've read this one before in this class. This this was the first one we we read uh, the first week we started this thing. This is considered a wisdom psalm. Um, I don't see the word wisdom anywhere in there. It talks about righteousness and wickedness a lot. Um, why is this a wisdom psalm? Any ideas? I mentioned earlier, you know, what generally gets classified as a wisdom psalm is something that is concerned, uh, uh, poetry that is concerned with the right way to live. 
So here is the contrast between righteousness and wickedness, um, that this is the right way to live. But there's more to wisdom than just our actions, right? It's, it's more than just who we associate with and more than who we listen to. Um, it seems like wisdom drives our actions. But any thoughts on what righteousness is? Oh, Katie. No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. That, that, before I jump to righteousness, that, that feeds my next question. Is wisdom gained or granted? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that answer. Okay. Okay, so how about the gained piece? Is is that the asking? Steve, my clicker's not working. There we go. All right. If gained, how? Any other thoughts on if you if you can gain wisdom? <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> Yeah, so to right. Yeah, so Job wasn't sitting at the library studying up on how to be wise and go into all these training courses, but where he was in life kind of allowed him to it prepped him to be granted wisdom. And I, I suppose maybe that's something we can do is put ourselves in that the right place where we might be able to receive it, talking about meditating on the word day and night. Chuck. Yeah, but having studied that book of driving does not make him a good driver. And in the same way, but his work did not give him a car. Right. Okay. Okay, so we need to pursue it, um, knowing that we can't gain it on our own accord, but that through the pursuit of it, God may grant it. Now, if it's granted, is it ever revoked? Um, think about Solomon. 
he didn't always do the the wisest things or things that we would consider wise. Job, he was given this vision, this idea of God's perspective. And again, we didn't see how the story ends, but is is wisdom a flash in the pan and then or can it be taken away? Seth? Happy? line of thought, all right, he pursued wisdom, he asked for it, he was granted it, he was given he was given wisdom, but it didn't solve all of his problems, right? Wisdom alone is not enough. Jeff? I like that analogy. Um, so the hiking of a mountain, so you're, you're working hard, you're gaining, as you hike, you're gaining knowledge, let's say, and then you get to the top, and it's not about the culmination of what you've just done, but what you can see from that new plateau. Um, if you're not so caught up in, hey, I just hiked a 14er, and so caught up in pride that you can't see beyond the end of your nose to see the beautiful view beyond. Um, Cool. Let's let's do let's read forty nine. Katie, would you mind? Uh, Chuck, do you still have the mic? If you could pass it over to Katie, or Steve's got it. Uh, so let's do forty nine, and it's only Alter's version because it's a little bit long. Psalm forty nine. Hear this, all peoples. Hearken, all who dwell in the world, you human creatures, you sons of man, together the rich and the needy. My mouth speaks wisdom, my heart's utterance, understanding. I incline my ear to a saying. I take up with the lyre my theme. Why should I fear in evil days when crime comes round me at my heels? 
Who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches, yet they surely will redeem no man, will not give to God his ransom. To redeem their lives is too dear, and one comes to an end forever. Will he yet live forever? Will he not see the pit? For he sees the wise die, both the fool and the stupid man perish, and they abandon to others their wealth. Their grave is their home forever. Their dwelling for all generations through their names had been called upon earth, though their names. And man will not rest in splendor. He is likened to beasts that are doomed. This way of theirs is their foolishness. And after, in words alone, they show favor. Like sheep to Sheol they head, death shepherds them, and they and the upright holds sway over them in the morn. And they wear out their image in Sheol, a habitation for them. But God will ransom my life. From the grip of Sheol he will take me. Do not fear when man grows rich, when he enlarges his house's glory. For in his death he will not take all. His glory won't go down behind him. For his own self he blesses when alive and acclaims you for giving him bounty. He will come to the state of his father's. Forevermore will not see the light. Man will not grasp things in splendor. He is likened to beasts that are doomed. Thank you. You can hold on to the mic because Carla is next. Um, okay. This one, Psalm 49, uh, very reminiscent of Proverbs, it seems like. A lot of compare and contrast. Here are the things you should do. Pay heed to these things, not to these um, something that stood out to me as you were reading that that I hadn't picked up on before was uh, verse 11. <clears throat> For he sees the wise die, both the fool and the stupid man perish, and they abandon to others their wealth. For he sees the wise die. Um, wisdom is not salvation, right? You know, we, 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 we want so much wisdom, but that's not what's going to save us. Even the wise die. This whole one uh, made me, you know, we've been talking about perspective already, but anytime I hear the word perspective, I, I think of this. Uh, do you know what you would like this evening, Zara? <laughs> yes, I think I do. After reading a lot of overheated puffery about your new cook, you know what I'm craving? A little perspective. That's it? I'd like some fresh, clear, well-seasoned perspective. Can you suggest a good wine to go with that? All right. This is the only class I've used Disney, and I've used them twice now. But this is one of my favorite movies. Um, all right, so on 49, you know, a lot of this is about perspective and, and kind of showing us that the things we chase after in this world are fleeting. Again, kind of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes-esque in, in, this, in the images here. Any, anything stand out to you guys on 49 related to wisdom? Why would this be considered a wisdom psalm? Anyone else huge fans of Ratatouille? Is it just me? Like, <laughs> and Katie, because I've made her watch it. <clears throat> I 
gives you a level of humility. Yeah. Cool. Anything else on 49? All right. Let's read uh, 15, Carla, if you don't mind. We'll, we'll read the uh, altar version. Lord, who will sojourn in your tent? Who will dwell on your holy mountain? He who walks blameless and does justice and speaks the truth in his heart. Who slanders not with his tongue, nor does to his fellow man evil, nor bears reproach for his kin. The debased in his eyes is repugnant, but the Lord fears, but the Lord fears he accords honor. When he vows to his fellow man, he does not revoke it. His money he does not give at interest, and no bribe for the innocent takes. He who does these will never stumble. Okay, uh, this one's not always labeled a wisdom psalm, but it's one that kind of concerns good living. Um, and, and it was mentioned earlier, I think it was Chuck, uh, or Chappie, sorry, one of you two. Wisdom drives action. Right? It's, it's, it's not just enough to be wise, it's what do you do with that wisdom once granted. And then, as Angela said, there's also this element of uh, you know, stepping away and just kind of being quiet and recognizing that, all right, maybe it's not, maybe I don't need to talk. So there, there's kind of twofold. Um, silence, I think, is a big piece, knowing when to keep your mouth shut, and then also knowing when to act. But this one's uh, 10 things a wise person might do. I don't know why the... You know, this is like another list of Ten Commandments. Um, But let's see. He who walks blameless, he does justice, speaks truth in his heart, does not slander with his tongue, does not do evil to his fellow man, does not bear reproach for his kin. Um, The Lord fears, he accords honor. Again, there's the fearing of the Lord. Um, He does not revoke his vows to his fellow man. His money he does not give at interest. And no bribe for the innocent takes. So I, I pulled this one out because, you know, doing these things doesn't make you doesn't mean you're wise, right? There can be people who do these things that may not be wise. But this, and if you start looking in the New Testament about when they're talking about wisdom, how it manifests itself, some of the some of these elements. So it's like this is kind of a litmus test. If someone thinks they're wise, well. Do you uh, have a savings account and give your money to the bank and expect interest? Then you may not be wise yet. So it's kind of like this, this test for yourself of you looking at, all right, if I think I'm wise, and here it's saying that uh, he who does these things will never stumble. This, these are elements of those who sojourn in the tent of the Lord, who make their dwelling in his holy mountain. Um, so I think you can use Scripture as a test if you think you're all that, that you've gotten to the top of the mountain, well, go through this checklist first and see if you shouldn't ask for a little bit more wisdom. Um, anything else on, any thoughts on 15? Am I totally off base on that idea? <laughs> yeah, well, yes, of course I <laughs> I don't have an answer. That's a great question. Does, does wisdom manifest itself daily? Okay.
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I, I don't know the right way to describe it, but you know these lists, or if we're talking about the law, the Hebrew law, they put in place all these extra things, right? But following every single step, I don't know. It, again, I don't have the right words for it, but it's like if you are righteous, it manifests itself in this way that the law is then created to kind of describe and then we've taken that to say, okay, well, if I do all these things that are associated with righteousness, then now I am righteous. Well, no, it's kind of backwards. You're righteous. Through your righteousness, you do all these actions. And that's kind of what I was thinking with wisdom, too. Um, wisdom shows itself in these ways, but just because you check all the boxes doesn't mean you are wise. Daniel? Right. Looking beyond yourself. Uh, so, yes, sir.
Yeah. Yeah, Chick-fil-A's got, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He, I don't know if he's still there, a VP or something, but he, he co-wrote a book with the guy who did Who Moved My Cheese. So it's all about this emotional intelligence piece, and that definitely drives their culture for sure. How do you interact with people? I like that. Um, I told you I wouldn't have a whole lot of answers, so we're out of time. And so I'm going to end with a couple of questions. Um, how does wisdom relate to righteousness? And totally different one, how does it relate to knowledge? Um, we didn't talk a whole lot about knowledge here, which I thought was impressive, because oftentimes we talk about wisdom in, in light of learning something new. I think there, that's an element to it. But what, what does that have to do with, with wisdom, knowledge, and righteousness? So that's all the time we've got for today. Um, and that's, I'm, I'm done for this, this series, and Brad will be ne- back for the next two weeks. So thank you. This has been fun.